Welcome to the Church Explain podcast, a conversation to grow your leadership and build your church. Today we've got something brand new for all our listeners. We're going to have a behind-the-scenes staff talk from our lead pastor, Paul Benger, right here in Icon Church. And this is something we're going to be doing over the next season, uh, just to bring you something different and fresh. And you're going to hear the staff talk, but also some of the staff discussions that uh, are going to take place in there. So we hope you enjoy it. This is the first one we've done like this. Give us your feedback and let us know what you think. This this staff meeting, we're, uh, as we've just said, recording as well for um, Icon Open and our podcast. And um, I thought I'd share this morning just around the idea of um, something that we talk about a lot, I think, in Icon Church, and we keep at the forefront that idea of who's next. And it's important to us. And um, I just... um, even in our conversation this morning and over the last few days, it just um, came home to me that we actually do have it as part of our culture. So uh, as Ben said on Monday night, I was at the youth leaders meeting and um, you know, 20 youth leaders were there, I think on, on Monday night and it was great. We got to pray, some of them wanted prayer and, and things at the end, we talked a little bit about, you know, just being filled with the Holy Spirit and so we got to pray for some and then I at the end I said to Ben oh, I was great great group we were just talking about the group and then we had the conversation of who's next and Ben gave me straight away a couple of names people he's thinking of and that this year will definitely come through potentially into that group and then yesterday Gavin mentioned same as he mentioned this morning you know five new couples coming to connect training um, you know, with a view that we'll be able to launch some new connect groups throughout the year and when they're ready, ready. So a couple of verses that actually speak into this for me is, is Matthew 9, 35 to 38. And then the very next verse, which is Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. It's an unfortunate chapter break, really. And uh, Matthew 9, 35 to 38 says this, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And I guess this is the phrase for us, isn't it? The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest field. And then the very next verse, it says, so Jesus called 12 disciples. So now he, now he um, uh, if you like, examples it. He called 12 disciples, gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. In those chapter nine verses, he says, the harvest plentiful. And this is our continual prayer send laborers therefore into the harvest but then in chapter 10 he models it by giving them authority and sending them out um you know it's so important we keep asking this question because the harvest is there that's what jesus is saying there is a harvest there there are people who need the gospel there are churches to be planted there are uh, ministries to to be done the harvest is there and so this has to be our continual prayer and also our continual action 
to send people in into the harvest on mission yeah. and uh, you know I just thought just because that word came up mission our mission as a church is to build relevant contemporary churches reaching people with the message of Jesus empowering them to lead and influence in every sphere of life and impact the world and to do that we we need a whole host of people to actually reap that harvest yeah, yeah. of building churches i think it has become part of our culture and i want to encourage it to remain as part of our culture and even become stronger mm -hmm. within our culture you know we often tell the story when nathan and myself were both working for ground level and nathan i think was working a couple of days a week and we would travel to lincoln on the days and uh, to work and very often in the car we wouldn't say much um, but we'd very often have the conversation about youth how was youth going when he was leading uh, youth and uh, who's next who's who's next from youth because obviously I would see them on a Sunday and see what was happening and was thrilled but I'd often be having that question who's next and um, I think this is something that we're all involved in it's yeah. not just youth ministry and are thrilled that we're talking about it in Connect Ministry. It's, we're all involved in it. It's this sense of reproduction, this di go and make disciples of all nations. And it, it, it goes through all generations, doesn't it? Yeah. And um, I told the story on Monday night how Jeannie and I went for a few days to Northumberland and uh, we went into Hexham Cathedral. I think at least it is a cathedral, but I saw a little plaque and this plaque said, there's been worship on this site for 1100 years, you know. And I was thinking, you know, without the making of disciples, without somebody being next, that just doesn't happen, does it? It just, it just doesn't continue. And so I love that. But this call of who's next is not just for the continuance of the church throughout generations, because that could be seen as maintenance. But this is a call to grow, yeah. isn't it? And an expansion. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7 talks about Jesus and it says of the increase right. of his government and peace, there'll be no end. We believe the kingdom is coming, but we believe it's here now, the rule of Jesus. And this isn't just about asking who's next, isn't just about how do we keep youth ministry going? How do we keep the lights on? How do we keep the heating on? How do we turn the heating up? Uh, <laughs> It's a little bit cold for any that are listening today. But actually, this is about growth and expansion and see the kingdom of God going forward. So um, a couple of ex examples or ideas. Um, I, I read a book called Above the Line by a, a, an American football, college football coach called Urban Meyer. And uh, somebody who has been super successful, maybe the most successful at that level. Interestingly, he's then gone on to coach NFL teams and been terrible. But at college football level, super successful. And he talks in this book about the 10-8-10 principle. And it, it, it's the, the first 10 is the first 10% of people. And uh, I think this is true even in the life of churches and organizations. These are the gold the people who give you all they've got all the time. And, uh, the, you know, just in most groups, you've got that 10% of people who are like that, fully in, fully committed. Then you've got the 80% of people, and they do a good job, and they're, they're committed to a level. 
but they're not uh, they're not as committed as the top ten. They're not as un, you know, then they're not as fully involved as the top ten. And uh, but they're there and they're solid. And then you've got the last ten, and they're really disinterested. They're around, mm -hmm. but they're not that interested. They've got other interested. They're uncaring. He calls them coach killers, um, <laughs> kind of uh, in his book. And he said this: the challenge is to move as many of the eight percenters into the top tier. If that can become 15 to 20%, then the performance increase will be substantial. And he tells how, he tells the story in the book how uh, he was able to move the top tier at one particular college above 10% to 15 to 20%. And that was why that team became super successful for many years. And I think, you know, even some of the stories we're telling in staff meeting this morning about people as a result of academy, getting more involved. That's, that's, a, that's a example of that, isn't it? That shifting where a good person, very good person, good family in maybe that block of 80%, now tipping into what you would call that uh, increased level of commitment and, and adding great value. I think another example of this is the Pareto principle or the Pareto distribution, which is the 80-20 rule and um, where Pareto said 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people, 80% um, of their income uh, often comes from 20% of the people in a society, in a, you know, in an organization, etc. Um, I like to say 80% of the food at a buffet is eaten by 20% of the guests. It's, it's that principle, but again, the Pareto principle says is that's the, that's the normal, but the more we can push into that 20%, the better. I think this is important as well because who's next, I think, gets challenged, uh, doesn't it? Um, I, if I talk to lots of pastors, they're struggling to think of who might be next in some areas of ministry. Uh, they're, tr they're struggling to share weight. Um, I was talking yesterday even to a some pastors and, and they were just saying everything has been reliant upon them and they're just beginning to be able to bring together a little team where they can begin to share weight. And I was praying with them because that team was meeting for the first time this week. And um, last Thursday, I, um, before the pandemic, before 2020, I, I, every three or four months I used to um, have a a day and I just block the day out, call it a Jesus day. And basically all I do on that day is I sit and I just go through my notebooks, like for the previous three or four months, just about the notes I've been taking and the things I've been praying and, and just, just re-get, well, I'd not really done that for two years because of the pandemic. My rhythm had gone out and I put it in my diary. Um, and Lu Lucy asked, asked me, why have you got Jesus in your diary? <laughs> it was the first time she'd seen it. And uh, so I explained, that's what I did. But I was going through and obviously I was going, so I went right back to the last time. And so I found this notebook in 2019 where I had four couples on my, that I was praying for on like a who's next list in 2019. And um, only one of those couples has made it. And um, one have moved away. One went to a church more local, so they're still they're still you know serving God, but 
uh, in terms of what we were believing for. One moved away, one went to a church more local, one got sick. They're still in this area but can't attend because they're sick. And then one is fully committed, fully serving in the life of our church. So just 25%. And it just reminded me that actually this gets challenged, that even people you identify and you look to, there can be challenges. And I'm sure you've all experienced that. I, it's important because um, the culture when who's next is missing um, is, isn't healthy. When who's next is missing, I, I, I put down some examples. It's hard to get into the circle. When who's next is missing, the, the circle's closed and it, church, it, it, everything's just the, the club, the clique, isn't it? It's hard to get in. And we talk about widening the circle a lot, don't we? You see the same faces all the time, the same people doing the same things. People protect their space when the who's next isn't celebrated. And uh, we want people to enjoy the space that God gives them, but we don't want to protect our space. We want to have that sense of celebration that others can stand up and rise up. Envy becomes strong. We all feel envy. We all, we all, I was sharing with the youth leaders, you will at times feel, why did that person get chosen to do this? Or why did this person, we all feel envy, but envy can become so strong that it, it stops us. Um, we hang out with the same people um, after every service. You know, we're just like when there's no connection beyond our immediate uh, group. There's no prayer about it. Jesus said, pray to the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. And sometimes, you know, when, again, when we talk to churches and people, pastors or leaders are struggling with, well, we haven't got anybody who's next. The, the first place to start is put some prayer into it and so on. The question isn't asked with passion. Um, there's no focus on development. There's no plan for bringing people through. And I'm so glad in so many areas in the life of our church, there is a plan and there is thought um, about how we bring through. Uh, ministries don't have any evangelistic spirit. Um, they don't they're not on ramps for people. It's just us. It's what we like. It keeps us happy. We enjoy it. But so many of our ministries could be evangelistic on ramps. You know, I was thinking about how Imagine has been that. So many people bringing friends to Imagine for the first time. It's been that kids ministry, goo ministry here has been a, a huge on ramp. Um, in the life of our church, youth ministry has been that too. But even uh, production has been a little bit of a, an honor. I remember um, Ben Owen and the story of uh, Ben Owen and um, his brother come in and then his family starting to come to our church some years ago. And his dad saying to me, oh, I've got this other son. He's just, he's just like into computers and screens. And so I said, well, tell him to come and help and play with all this stuff. Um, and he came, he actually, I said, tell him to come next Sunday, but he actually came on the Friday and made a, made a decision. It can be an on-ramp. And there's no investing and no inviting when it's missing. So just bringing this to kind of a, 
a point. How, how do we keep this spirit strong and how do we develop it? Well, I think it, it starts with relationship. Mm. The, the foundation is relationship. We widen the circle. We start new conversations. We create new opportunities. So it's just relationship. We just, be, just begin to have some new conversations, new opportunities. We think about the I see in you conversation when we've seen somebody and, you know, I, I guess Gavin, that's what Gavin's done with these five couples that are, you know, new to that connect training. I see in you. Um, we don't just share bread and wine, but we share bread and fish or, or bread and ribeye steak or something. We, you know, we invite them into something that um, is, is fellowship. You know, the, the historians tell us the disciples had two me meals, bread and wine, bread and fish. And um, you see Jesus with that, don't you? Before he dies, the Last Supper, after the resurrection, he's cooking fish for breakfast, bread and fish, which is more the relational meal. And I think we pray. We pray into those relationships. We pray into those people. Um, so the first thing is relationship. The second thing is, is the whole area of training. And we've talked about this, I guess, in more detail. So I'll just, um, training and coaching, I guess, you know, uh, the whole idea of, of, of training people. I do, you help, we talk, you do, I help, we talk, you do, I watch, we talk and you do, someone else watches and we talk. And it's just that whole idea of training people and, and feedback. Some of you are very, very good at that, I think, in terms of yeah, uh, what you do. I just, you know, we do a little, um, just a, a little review of a, a Sunday and there were a couple of things that I wanted to mention to Nathan and he'd already had the conversations about those, so which, which, was, which was great. Uh, and then when it comes to coaching, and of course, um, you know, asking questions of people who are serving, what's good, what's, ch what's challenging, is there any way I can help, what can I pray for? Just being alongside someone and helping them, supporting them, coaching them, not, not giving them the, all the answers, but just, uh, helping them come to a place where they um, have the answers. So relationship, training, coaching, I think discipling as well, uh, looking out for the killer attitudes that can stop, stop people, you know, things like envy. Uh, as part of our discipleship process to, to work with people on those things, look out for levels of passion when we see passion waning and things, things dipping in the lives of people, asking the question, is everything all right? Um, with people caring for them in that way. I love the phrase that we're starting to use around small groups that, you know, we want church to be a place where people cannot hide and people cannot go missing. So just that sense of care and that's part of discipleship, actually, that relationship and, uh, and having those conversations. So as I, close what could be the takeaway from today well if you haven't already start a list mm -hmm. or have a look at your list mm -hmm. and begin to pray for those 
pray for those people. Go away and pray. Use this period we're in of prayer and fasting and ask the question, who's next? And look, look towards a plan where you can say, like Jesus, we've now sent them. We've given them that opportunity. We've launched them into something they've not done before. So who's next? Let's keep it strong. I think it is in our culture as a church, but let's keep it strong and make it stronger. Good, yeah. So just on the back of um, Paul's talk, what we do in our staff meetings, and you'll see this as we have a discussion, people can ask questions, all of that. And, uh, and so we're going to do that now for you to listen in on. Um, so yeah, so anyone want to kick us off? Otherwise, I'll kick us off. Ben. I'm right next to you. Um, I loved hearing the phrase widen the circle again. Um, and you were talking about things like what, what happens when we don't have that culture of who's next. And one of those things being that we hang out with the same people. Um, and I think the the older I get, the more I realize that's the temptation. You get used to your group of friends. Um, and it made me just think that it's a very kind of countercultural idea of widening our circle. And the, the older you get, still having that intention to build new relationships with people. Um, I was actually thinking about the Friends series, actually, which I'm not not a huge fan, but I've seen all of it. And that six group of people... And it's an incredibly inclusive club. Like if you think about the whole thing, it's very hard for people to get into that group of friends. Yeah, I guess the church and having that culture of who's next is the opposite to that. It's not not being an inclusive club. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, Paul, I was thinking of the uh, eighty twenty rule that you mentioned. There are some leaders or some churches would say it's not possible to break the eighty twenty rule, the Pretty principle. What's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought about that when I put it in my notes, the 80-20, that some say that's that's the natural cause of things. I think the point I was making with using the 10-80-10 illustration is that sometimes it's worse than that. And that actually, if, if you can shift it to 20, you've got an opportunity to do, because that will impact, that will have impact on the whole group if you can have... You know, I mean, if you think of, you know, a thousand people and 200 are really red hot, they're going to, that's, that's sizable enough to drive anything. You know, if, uh, you know, if it's a hundred people, 20 people, that's size, sizable enough. That 20% is sizable enough to set the whole culture. So whether you can, you go beyond that, um, I hope you can in many respects, but I think it does fall um, it does it does fall back on that, and of course, some people use the illustration of how many composers do you know who have written classical music? There's millions of composers, but you only know of a few. So the principle: most of the money made in the music industry is made by a few artists. When there's book sales, you know, there's like hundreds and hundreds of books released every day, and yet. The money is made by just a handful of people. So the, the Pareto distribution does work. In fact, Jesus even taught about it, didn't he, with um, the talents. You know, the, actually the one <clears throat> who hid the talent, that gets given to the, the person who's 
um, uh, <clears throat> made the doubled the talents. So yeah, so I think it's I think it's making that as large as large as you can. I don't think it's a fixed number, but it's just that principle. I think also in terms of just responding to Ben and just that you know widening the circle. A couple of people recently, and I you know it's surprised me. I've I, and I do find this difficult with people I don't know very well, having conversations like in the foyer, and they've said, thanks for taking time to talk to us. And like my talk, and the conversations have been, hey, it's great to see you, how you doing, you know, something maybe. And, and yet they've made a point of saying, you know, thank you so much for taking time to speak to us, because I think in society people do, stay well within those confines, don't they? So I think it's very important. Cool. It kind of um, follows on a little bit from what Ben was saying and just the idea of widening the circle. Um, but also I picked up on what you said about how you do that and the idea of you showing somebody what to do, you watch them do it, you talk about it, and actually giving people the opportunity because I think we, we strive for a, a culture of excellence and that's great and we want to do things well and we want to be consistent in that. But then there's a danger that we hold on to it too much. Like, this is good, it works, let's stick with it. Um, but actually, we're missing potential in people to just let them have a go. Yeah. You know, we can do it in a way that's guided and safe, but actually, by doing that, then we might get that goal. We might break that barrier of the 10%, but just by putting our own kind of need for perfection aside to give them the opportunity. Um, the, the, the last thing I think I'll, I'll, I'll say and then um, close it there is um, you mentioned, and I don't think people think about this when you talk about who's next, many, much of what we think about who's next is what can people do and a job and, you know, and, and that is part of it in terms of, you know, we talked a lot about like youth leaders, connect groups, but you mentioned the whole thing around discipline. And um, I think it's just really important to, to recognize that actually it's part of discipleship. It's not just we, we need you because we need more, you know, people to do this or people to do that. Actually, it's part of discipleship. And uh, you mentioned the phrase, I can't remember it off by our, uh, the connect group thing in terms of nobody gets lost and, and uh, nobody's hidden kind of thing. And um, the whole thing around care and just seeing and recognizing uh, people. And you, you mentioned a few things like attitudes, people's levels of passion, those kind of things. And I think it's just really important when we're thinking of those we lead and those who are next to have those conversations when we do notice those things, not in a way of, you know, oh, your attitude's been terrible, but asking the question, are you okay? I think it's the care thing that is really important for people. And I like one of, one of the things that I've always um, thought about and asked God is show me when I need to ask the question, are you okay? Is everything all right? You don't quite see yourself, those kind of things, because, if that doesn't happen, very quickly people can end up, you know, like you said, who's next is challenging. And that can be a season when people do drop off, uh, anything like that. So, yeah, I just thought that was really important for us to recognize that. Anything to close? No, I think I think it's been a great 
a great discussion. I think just in terms of, and I think Lucy's point is really important, just that the key thing in, you know, not not worrying too much about the perfection, but giving people the opportunity, widening the circle. And the key thing then is that follow-up conversation. How do you think it went? How do you think you do? And something we're doing in uh, all our campuses at the moment is when people speak, we ask them to fill in a personal evaluation of their talk and then somebody in the room fills in what they thought as well just in terms on the on the back of that and I just think that's part of the whole coaching training developing growing that who's next and um, I just love the fact that you know we've had that culture I think for many years and I think I've just got a sense that it's going to get stronger as we go forward.